bed. But at that moment, a faint sound floated up the mountain from Whoville far below. As the sound grew louder, the Grinch strained to make sense of the noise. What's that? He asked Max, cupping a hand to his ear. Do you hear it? When he realized exactly what he was hearing, the Grinch was flabbergasted. They're singing. He was right. The sounds of hundreds of happy Who's raising their voices to sing a Christmas carol together floated right up that mountain to the Grinch's furry green ears. The Grinch couldn't believe it. How could they be singing the joyous song together? He'd stolen their Christmas. This was not what he expected. Crying and wailing, yes. Singing, no. I don't understand, Max, he said. The Grinch climbed onto the sleigh, stacked with stacks of presents. Searching through the bag, he found a telescope with a bow on it. Telescope in hand, he jumped down off the sleigh, then hurried over to the edge of a small rocky outcropping. He pulled the telescope open and put it to his eye. He pointed the other end at Whoville. Through the telescope, the Grinch saw all the Who's standing in a big circle, holding hands. Their mouths moved in perfect unison as they sang together, and they looked so happy. Don't they know what I've done? The Grinch asked, lowering the telescope. Max shrugged. The Grinch took another look, scanning the crowd until he found Cindy Lou. Her eyes were closed, and she smiled as she sang, lifting her face toward the sky. He heard her little voice in his head saying, It's so beautiful that if you close your eyes and listen, all your sadness just goes away. Could it be true? The Grinch lowered the telescope again. He listened carefully to the sound of the Who's singing together. He felt something, something strong, deep, and profound. Max looked at his master. What was he doing? Closing his eyes, the Grinch tilted his head back, letting the music flow into him. He smiled. He smiled because when he listened to the music with his heart, it grew three sizes. His sadness went away. He felt a joy he'd never felt in his whole life, bliss. And then he realized the sleigh was about to fall over the cliff. What? He cried, oh no. The sleigh teetered on the edge. The Grinch jumped up and grabbed the back end of the runner. He tried to stop the sleigh from falling, but it was too heavy for him. It toppled over to the edge, taking the Grinch with it. Yeah! The Grinch screamed. Thinking quickly, the Grinch whipped out his candy cane, aimed it back up the mountain, and pressed a button. Shoomp! A grappling hook shot out of the end of the candy cane, snagged the edge of the cliff. Max peered down, looking worried. It's okay, Max. I'm gonna... The rocky cliff started to crumble under the grappling hook. Ah! The Grinch shouted. Oh, no, no, no. Crack. The edge of the cliff broke off. The Grinch began to fall. Max! He screamed. But then there was a tug on the rope. The Grinch looked up and saw Fred and his family pulling on the rope together. Max helped too. Working together, they pulled the Grinch and the sleigh back up to safety. Fred? The Grinch said, walking toward the reindeer amazed. You came back. He looked toward Whoville, full of resolve. Come on, Max, my boy. The Grinch jumped into the driver's seat. As the sleigh began to slide down the side of the mountain toward Whoville, he scooped up Max and set him on the seat next to him. Arf, arf, the little dog barked, wagging his tail. He was very happy to be riding instead of pulling, and the Grinch was happy to have Max with him. As the sleigh picked up speed, the Grinch grabbed a horn, climbed onto the stack of presents, and blew it as loudly as he could to let the Who's know he was coming. Fa-wah, fa-woo, fa-fa-wah. The Grinch was determined to make things right. I hope we haven't lost anyone's presents, Max. He, Max, he said. The smile on Max's face said that he believed that everything would be all right. Down in the town square, one of the Who's spotted the tall stack of Christmas gifts and decorations heading through the town, coming right toward them. The other Who's turned to see the approaching Tower of Presence. The Who's stopped singing. They opened up their circles so the Grinch could slide his sleigh right into the middle. 
Um, hello, everybody, he said awkwardly. I've come to return your gifts. I stole your Christmas because... He paused. Why had he stolen their Christmas exactly? Because I thought it would fix something that happened a long time ago. The Who's looked surprised. That's not what they expected the mean old Grinch to say. But it didn't, he admitted, and I'm sorry. The Grinch spotted Cindy Lou in the crowd. He walked over to her, and so very sorry for everything. Slumping his shoulders, the Grinch turned and shuffled away, heading back toward his lonely cave. Max followed after him. So the Grinch had spent the night stealing everyone's presents and ribbons and bows and lights and trees and stockings and such, thinking that that was going to rob them of their joy. And this morning, you have witnessed many people in this room singing today, singing with enthusiasm, singing with spirit, singing with heart in the middle of brokenness. You have seen that before you today modeled in the lives of people. What the Grinch saw in Whoville and the people standing in the circle and what he had expected was to rob them of their joy. And really, the application is to rob them of their worship. And yet they stood on that morning, hand in hand and arm in arm, singing with a heart of worship. Today's sermon title is, They Sang Without Presence. And I think there's time for us to reflect and to evaluate our life and we even talked about it this morning in Bible study. Not every day is a happy day, but every day can be a joyful day. Every day can be a day when we trust God. Every day can be a day when we have joy. The Grinch saw the Who standing in the big circle holding hands. Their mouths moved in perfect unison as they sang together. And in his opinion, they looked so happy. Now I would prefer the word peaceful or at peace. It's probably a better word. Because as I said a moment ago, you may not always be happy. But I can always, 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 always trust the hand of God and the goodness of God. I may not like the way the course of my day is going. But I can always, always, always. Always trust the heart of God. I can just trust that. Christmas is known for its music. My favorite Christmas carol is Silent Night. Bar none. Silent Night. Some songs, you know, we start listening to Christmas music around Thanksgiving time. Some longer than that. Some never stop listening to Christmas music. My wife is one of those people. But I start listening to Christmas music around Thanksgiving time. And some songs wear on me. Do they you? But I honestly, I think I could hear Silent Night every day between Thanksgiving and Christmas and not grow tired of that song. 
one of my mental pictures is this back in the World War II. The Americans and the Germans are singing that song on either side of the battle line. And I think the testimony of Silent Night, whether you were a German or an American, had a unity about it. It had a union. It had a worship about it. And ultimately, our relationship with God. Uh, I made a list of some of the songs. Not all, y'all. There's so many. But Away in a Manger as a little kid. And parents, teach your kids these songs. Sing those songs with your babies. Reflect on that. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Such an obscure little place, a meaningless place other than that's the place that the Savior of the world was born, in Bethlehem. And joy to the world. I like to, I like to sing joy to the world because I think it, it leaves us on a good note. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And everything that we do and everything that we're about is to promote and to encourage people receiving the Messiah as your king. Because that's the point of Christmas. We said, Gary said this morning in Bible study, don't celebrate Christmas without remembering Easter. He's our king. He's our redeemer. He's our deliverer. He's our sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold, your king is coming, Isaiah said. Songs that describe and remind us of Jesus' birth. And worship is a big part of the birth of Christ. It's a big part of that. It has been my whole life, hasn't it yours? It doesn't take long for us to get in to the, the, the Christmas holidays and we're hearing the music playing at whatever store we go to or the radio stations that we listen to or the Lifetime movies. Hello, Hallmark movies, yeah. So this morning I want to talk to you about worship and praise and testimony. So the first passage of Scripture is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now, we started, we left off here last week. That's why I'm picking up here. And so in Matthew chapter 2, this is out of chronological order, which absolutely drives me crazy to do this because I want things to align chronologically. Don't y'all? Don't y'all? Right? They have to align chronologically or I'm just like, oh, I, I can't do this. It's out of order. But I want y'all to know up front, it's out of order, and it's okay, okay? It's okay this morning for it to be out of order. So after listening to the king, they went on their way. Who is they, and where did they go? The they are the three wise men. How many of you know that the wise men were the last to the scene? Y'all know that, okay? But in today's reading of the text, they're going to be first in the reading of the, te of the text. Still last, where is it? Where are the wise men? Over here? So the wise men? Really, they should be off out over here somewhere. That's where they should be. And so we're getting our nativity ready out there. Y'all see that year by year we're adding pieces to our nativity out at the street. So next year we're going to have the camel and the wise men. They're coming, but they're going to be off a bit. 
okay? Because they're not there yet. Y'all know that, okay? And there's times, tables, and the star and all that that help us understand chronologically how they came late to the celebration. Way late to the celebration, okay? But in this story today, we're going to read their story first. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And so they're following the star, right? Days and days and days and days and maybe months of a journey. And they're following the star. And finally the star gets over to where the child is. Now, Jesus was born in a cave that they had made into a barn. You with me? So far. So it was a a hole in the rock, and they had put up some fencing around the hole in the rock, and they put their animals in there to protect them from the elements, and that's where Jesus was born. I don't know if you guys recognize this or know this or not, but the Middle East is known for its mountains and caves. Are y'all familiar? Okay. You with me? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I got that. I know what that's like. Okay. And so some of our people in the military have seen a bunch of those caves, right? So that's where Jesus was born, was in a, in a cave, not even hewn out by God's hand, water over, you know, a period of time. But back here in this cave is where the shepherds would keep their animals that maybe needed special attention. Okay, because remember, the shepherds had their animals out on the countryside. Y'all with me so far? So putting together the pieces of the story. They saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the what? House. Not cave, not barn, not stable, not trough, right? Are you with me? And so they're late to the celebration. Does that help you any? They went to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and what? Worshipped. And I want you to know that a big part of our relationship with Jesus is worship. I think it's in a very important part of your relationship with Jesus. Now, I will have to admit in my life that I had been saved a long time before I really understood what worship was. I was dutiful. I was the best servant, military soldier that you could have asked for if Jesus was a general. But how many of y'all know that Jesus is not just a general? It's a lot easier for me to get the task list to do, like Martha, rather than the relationship to be like Mary. And for me, it felt as though sitting at the feet of Jesus was a waste of time. There's work to be done. And sometimes Jesus just wants us to be by him. We learn that from Mary, but we also learn that from the garden. When he says, can you not just be with me? 
Do you always have to be asking for something? Do you always have to be doing something? We don't even take the time to sing. We don't take the time to acknowledge. We don't take the time to pray. We don't take the time to fall at his feet in awe of him. And sometimes we just need to be still. Just stop. Now, this is anointing. I know the Holy Spirit's here in this place right now. He wants us to get this desperately bad because we're not good at this. We are a church full of doers. And we will do before be any day of the week. And we've got to change that. We have to be first. We have to have that relationship with Jesus that supersedes our task list. And I don't know about you, but I have a task list. There's some things that I want to accomplish with Jesus. Or I want him to accomplish with me, if I'm being honest. Can y'all relate to me? There's, there's some stuff, Jesus, that I need you to do. There's some stuff that I want to help you do. Come on. Somebody. That's not just me. I know it's not. But the night that the wise men came, and they find Jesus, and I'm telling y'all, they're not asking for anything. And we ought to admire that. We ought to acknowledge that. And we should learn to mimic that. And the scriptures say that they fell down and they worshiped him, then opening their treasures. And there's something about this gift that I admire. I don't know how long they traveled, but it was more than a day. I believe it was more than a month. I believe that it had been months since Jesus was born. And now they're getting ready and they're packing their supplies. And some of you will be traveling in the next week. And you've been working for a while to get all your presents in order and everything wrapped and everything prepared to take to your family. Haven't you? Haven't you? Whether you're going to get on an airplane or load up your SUV and you're going to head out and go to some relative's home and you're going to have gifts for a lot of people. And I will tell you, one of my least favorite things to do about Christmas time is go underneath the tree and get out all the gifts and put them in the car and take them to where we're going because I think stuff gets broken. It gets forgotten, it gets left, it gets messed up, the bows get knocked off. Right, are y'all with me? I'm way too anal for all of that. Way too anal. I would rather get there and then wrap it so it doesn't get messed up. Are you with me? The wise men had a prepared gift. They prepared it way ahead of time. And they prepared it for Jesus. Now I'm telling y'all, I admire that. How smart that was. And it is believed by the scholars that the gift that the wise men gave to Jesus left there for him. They used his mom and dad and Jesus used that to live on while they were in Egypt. That's what most scholars believe. So God used those men to provide the resources 
to take care of Jesus and his family. I want to give that kind of a gift. Huh? Are you telling me that I could give you a gift and you could use that to further your existence? I want you to know every gift you ever give to any church furthers the existence of Christ. I want you to know that. And it was prepared and there was nothing, no strings attached. Learn to give gifts with no strings attached. Learn to do that. That's a great way to live. And it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And God in heaven notices. He takes note of that for us. So the wise men come and they worship. And it's a great sermon that we don't have time for this morning, the, the, the meaning behind the gifts. The second group, the second group of people that I want to introduce you to this morning are the shepherds out in the field. This has to do with praise and the angels and the shepherds and that. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. You ought to underline that in your Bible. You ought to hang on to that from now on. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get bad news. Huh? Do you ever get bad news? Well, Jesus, the coming of the Messiah is good news. Good news that brings great joy. Sometimes we get despairing news that brings great sadness. Hello? Come on. And we get to Christmas time. And that, right, that's the whole problem with the Grinch, man. He's brokenhearted and he wants everyone else to be. Have you ever said about a situation in your life, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy? There's some pretty despairing things that happen out there in the world. Some pretty heartbreaking events that take place. What do we do with that? What, what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to make sense of this? Where, where does this go? And even this week, I have to remind myself of what Paul wrote in Romans. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Lord, I love you. I trust you. I'm surrendered to you. I'm yielded to you. And how you're going to make this work out, I don't know. I just believe you and I believe your word. And when life doesn't make sense, I can flat go back to God's word, right, people? I can go back to God's word and say, here's what your word tells me. And I'm going to trust you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. Don't be afraid. 
I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for everybody. And Jesus is for everybody. I want you to know that. Jesus is for you. I can remember as a young man, I went to Odie White High School. I was a rotten kid, rotten teenager. I just was, man. I was not a nice boy. I had a ton of anger, and a revival broke out. A revival means a lot of people started going to church and trusting Christ as Savior and following the Lord in baptism, much like what we saw last week here. And, and just a lot of people were giving their life to Christ, surrendering to God and, and praying and asking the Lord to forgive them of their sin. And a lot of kids at Odewa High School were doing that. And so there was a couple of the, the youth workers that came down to the, the campus. And, and of course, you know, the kids in the youth group invited them to come. And, and so they were coming and, and they were talking and, and they talked to me. Now I'm telling you, I'm the kid that when I was a youth pastor, I'm the kid that as a youth pastor I wanted to reach. Because that's the one everybody says you can't reach. You're not going to reach that kid. And so I'm a student at Odie Wyatt High School. I skip as much as I attend. I know that's horrible. Don't do that. Y'all go to school. Stay in school. And the youth pastor comes to me and says, Terry, why don't you come? I'm telling you, I laughed at him. You got to be kidding me. I am the last person God would want in that church. Every other kid at this school would go to your church before I would. That is not going to happen. And it didn't. I never did go. Just hard-headed, stubborn, rebellion, dumb. And I didn't go. And it wasn't until about four years later when I married my wife that I went. It may take you a while to get your friends to go to church. It may take God a while to get you where he wants you to be. But listen, if you're there, don't be stubborn. Don't rebellious. Don't be rebellious. Let God do his work in your life because Jesus came for all of us. Let him have his way in you. The angels proclaim, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I can't even describe to you guys how many things Jesus has saved me from. From my sin and from myself and from my shame and from my anger, from my brokenness. You remember a while back we did this series, some of you would, and I had these bricks up on the, on, on the stage, and then we made a bigger brick wall out of it, and God builds his family one brick at a time. And I'm a brick, and you're 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 a brick. And God's doing his work in our lives. And he's our Savior. And maybe this morning he's saying to you, I want you to be my next brick in my house. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among, um, among those with whom he is pleased. Glory and peace. Glory, peace, glory. Be in it, guys. Be in it. Well, Lord, this world, it's not peaceful. That world's not your home. In this world... You're going to have struggles, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This world doesn't have a hold on us. We're pilgrims, Peter said. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. Don't get your roots too deep here. Don't get too comfortable here because this isn't it. That is. Heaven is our home. We're passing through this place. Some days we're getting by in this place. And when we lose focus and we think that this is the point, we've lost our focus. We've lost our way. This is not the point. Heaven is the objective. Heaven is our home. Glory to God in the highest. The focus is there. And on earth, peace and, and goodwill. Peace and and goodwill, God means good for you and not evil. Listen, don't let anyone ever tell you that God means you harm. God means you evil. I promise you this. Get this. This is something that I learned a few years ago. The enemy, who we know as the devil, Satan, Lucifer, he lies. And he will tell you, that God will take your loved one. That God will cause some natural disaster. He tells you those things. And people will literally die in this world, don't they? All of us have been to some funeral at some time of someone or saw one on TV or heard about it. But when we get to heaven and God's in control... Do y'all know that there's no hospitals? There's no oxygen tanks. There's no wheelchairs. There's no funeral homes. Huh? All that changes. Because when God's in control, those things won't happen. In the world we live in, there's all kinds of brokenness and hurt and anguish and despair and heartache. But in heaven, my Bible tells me that God wipes away all the tears. I don't know about you, but I've shed a lot of tears in this world over brokenness and heartache. Huh? But there, when we get there, that's going to change. Now, the Bible doesn't say that there's no tears in heaven. The Bible says that the tears are wiped away. 
There's praise. Lord, one of our songs is, I will praise you in the storm. When I can't see your hand, I'm absolutely going to trust your heart. There's a song, and, and I wish I knew the, the vocabulary better. But basically what happened in a church in Dallas was one Sunday. They were having their song service. And in the moment, in the moment on the stage during a worship set, they produced a song. Now, I titled the song, How I Fight My Battles, but it's really titled Surrounded. Surrounded. Let me read the lyrics. I just looked it up a second ago. And this song is brand new, and it is one of the most prominent Songs in Christian music today, written on the spot, in the moment, on a day like today. This is how I fight my battles. At his table, this is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how my, I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight, fight my battles. At your table. When life gets really hard, the human nature, the human flesh wants to run. But we are wise when we cling, when we hold on tight. In the story that Lily read, the people of the town get up on Christmas morning and everything theoretically had been taken from them. But I want you to know there's some things this world can't take from you, and Jesus is that. They can't take your worship. They can't take your praise. They can't take your trust. They can't take your love. The world can't take that from you. But we can relinquish it, can't we? We can lay it down, can't we? We can forsake it, can't we? And I don't want us to do that. I want us to hang on and hang tight. Let me finish up this morning 
with the, the, the shepherds in, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And I'm telling you, if you've never spent any time in your heart with Jesus, you need to. You need to do that. You need to go for a visit to the cross, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. No one has your testimony. No one. Nobody has your story. And you need to use your story to tell people about what God has done in your life because no one can do that like you can. No one can tell my story like I can tell my story, and no one can tell your story like you can tell your story. And let me tell you what great things God hath done in my life. And I want you to know this morning there are lots of people in the room who could say, yes, life has valleys. Life has horrific downsides, but I want you to know that my God is faithful and my God is real. And my God has helped me through some really low places in life. And if you will let him, he'll help you too. If you'll let him, he'll help you too. And the Grinch that day when he's looking through his binoculars and he's looking down at the town and he's seeing the people and he zeroes in on that one little girl and the countenance of her face and he's like, what do they have that I don't have? Man, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have something that other people wonder. What do you have that I don't have? And the answer to that is Jesus. Well, how do I get that? Because I obviously am missing it. He is one prayer away, guys. He's one prayer away. And if you pray and ask Jesus to forgive you, and to be Lord in your life, I want you to know everything changes from this moment throughout all of eternity for you. And don't take a chance on that. I heard an evangelist say a long time ago, I wouldn't spend eternity in hell apart from God for anybody. Meaning, don't let pride keep you. Everybody, well, everybody thinks I'm a Christian. Don't let that stop you. If you know in your heart you're not, settle that. If you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, settle that. The whole point of Christmas is the Savior who takes away the sin of the world. That's for us. That's for you and for me. And so don't let anyone keep you from your relationship with Christ. And here's the thing. Here's what we teach. Here's what I believe. If you ask me, am I married? I say, yep, I have a ring. Now, does having a ring make me married? It doesn't, does it? So if I ask you, hey, are, are you a believer? Are, are, you, are you going to heaven when you die? Yeah, I was baptized when I was a little kid. I point back there because behind that screen, in case you don't know, is a big old baptistry. Top. I was baptized. Well, being baptized doesn't mean you're a believer in Jesus. It may mean that you're wet. Well, I'm a member of a church. Being a member of a church doesn't mean you're a believer in Jesus. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus is some decision that you make all by yourself on your own. And listen, don't give that to anybody. Don't take a chance with anyone on that. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, 
you settle that for yourself and don't let anyone stop you from it. Jesus came to save us from our sins, to redeem us from the curse. All of us can have that. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you need someone to pray with you, we want to do that. We want to pray with you and help you in that decision. <clears throat> if today you're going to pray and trust Christ as your Savior, there's a place on our website where you can go and say, hey, today I prayed. And go there. Let us know so we can tell someone. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So while you're telling people, hey, I prayed to, to Jesus to forgive me of my sins, Jesus turned to his Father and said, hey, Dad, guess what? That's what they did. It's a win-win. If you never prayed that prayer, today's a great day for that. Give your life to Christ. He died for you. He came for you. You're the reason that he did all this. We're the reason he did all of this. Terry Goff just walked around. Yesterday, she walked the stage and received her diploma for her bachelor's degree. We're crazy proud of her. Yeah. Uh, Brent and Laura, raise your hand over here. Brent and Laura, faithful part of Alliance. They have bought their home in Nebraska close to their children. They are retired recently, and so they're relocating closer to family. So this is their last Sunday with us, and so we're going to ask them to come in just a second, and then we're going to get some people to come and pray with them and over them and watch over them. We also have Sam Cates just finished his Marine basic training school. Way to go, Sam. Raise your hand. Praise the Lord for that. Very proud of him. Listen, don't get lost in this moment. Jesus came to save us from our sins. I prayed that prayer a long time ago. Don't let anyone keep you from it. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, would you do that today? Ask him today. Brent and Laura, y'all come on. Mike and Carolyn, will y'all come and pray with them? If you'd like to pray with Brent and Laura, would you go ahead and make your way right over here? If you want to make a decision today for Christ, we invite you to come. People will pray with you, okay? So y'all do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you this morning, and we're grateful and thankful for our time today. Thankful for your word. And I pray, Lord, that we truly would have a heart of worship and praise and testimony of what you have done in our lives. And Lord, there are dark days and there are deep valleys, and yet you're faithful to us. And I pray, God, that we would remember to cling to you in the darkest of times, and that we would glorify you in our life and we would give testimony to your faithfulness and your goodness. We would trust you completely. And Lord, I pray for the person who's here today, who right now in their heart is surrendering their life to you and giving their all to you. 
I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us, that you redeem us from the curse of sin, and you give us a, a life that is abundant, a life that is worth living. And I pray, God, your blessings on your people today. Help us to have a heart of worship, a heart of surrender, a heart that is yielded to you. And help us, Lord, praise with the angels. Glory to God. Thank you for your presence in the room today. Thank you for your word that God just and teaches us. Give us, God, a heart for worship. In Jesus' name.